This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position. From its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. is here with some big games on the college football schedule. Welcome back to Prospects 101, the show where we break down football prospects from all levels, talking high school, college transfers, college recruiting, NFL prospects, and the NFL draft. As always, Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners and supporters of the show, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. As always, you can always interact with Prospects 101 on social media. That's at Prospects 101 Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, posting all of our weekly content on there as well. As always, I'm joined by my compadres, Brandon Pasto and Kenny Keller. What's up, fellas? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing? Sounds like my dog's joining us today, too, as well. It's barking in the back. Hey, what's up, Blue? I was going to say, you left out one of our co-hosts, Gless. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> show is growing. The show is growing. Anyway, so, uh, you know, as we explained on our last episode, we are now breaking down our weekly show into two separate shows. And, guys, we're here to preview week five of the college football season from a prospect's perspective. Week five, a lot of big games on the schedule Right off the bat, what kind of sticks out in your mind? I'll, I'll kick it off, Gless. So there's there's three games, two games I want to watch and one game I'm petrified to watch. So the, the first game is obviously Auburn at Georgia. That game is going to be awesome. JT Daniels might be playing that game, one of the top transfers from last year. Bo Nix, obviously one of the up-and-coming quarterbacks in the SEC. They haven't won in Athens since 2005. So can this be the year that they actually do it? The, the other game is going to be a complete shootout. One of the two are two of the best quarterbacks in the AAC, and that's Memphis at SMU. I mean, the mm-hmm. over-under in that game is 74-and-a-half. It's going to be a complete, complete Ooh. shootout. The game I am petrified of watching right now is Navy at Air Force. Like, Navy is completely horrible to watch these days besides, you know, it was like two quarters of football. They decided the, the to The second half. Yeah. The second half. Outside of that, the Air Force is completely garbage this year as well, losing their starting quarterback. So it's just like – I love option offenses, and I love when usually the academies play each other, but I am scared it's going to be the ugliest game I've ever seen two option offenses playing against each other. Yeah, well, especially because Air Force, word is they have a lot of guys who have opted out of attending uh, the the academy due to COVID uh, for this semester, so they actually don't even have a lot of football guys on campus right now, so that might be kind of a show. But, uh, you know, the, the, the SEC games are definitely low-hanging fruit from a personal standpoint. I'm really excited to see Coastal Carolina versus Arkansas State because I'm going to be there. So hey, I'm, really excited. I'm, nice. I'm really excited to see that game, obviously. But, you know, tomorrow night – or, sorry, Friday night, um, BYU versus Louisiana Tech I think is going to be a be great a game. That's going to be a shootout, I think. BYU looks like they're for real. Louisiana Tech has a lot of high power – a lot of firepower on offense. 
think that could be a really fun game. I'm excited to watch Virginia Clemson. I don't think it's going to be close, but, you know, I do think Virginia with their defense can hang in a little bit. I think they can at least give them a little bit of a run in the first half, and we're really going to be able to see what kind of dogs Virginia has on defense this year because that's going to be the strength. Now, one game I think that's flying under the radar is going to be TCU and Texas. I agree with that one. Yeah. it's It's a big 12 game. Neither team has showed they can play defense so far this year. I think TCU gave up 37 to Iowa State last week, and obviously Texas gave up 50-some points to Texas Tech. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think we're going to see a lot of playmakers on both sides of the ball. It's just going to be one of those typical Big 12 games where the score is going to be like 45-40. Yeah, those are two. The Texas one really stood out in my mind, too, just because Texas played so god-awful on defense last week. And TCU's offense for the last three years has been terrible. So if there's a game that you can kind of turn it around on defense, I think it's this week. Two games that I'm really interested in watching. I think Memphis and SMU is going to be a lot of fun to watch. You're going to get to see kind of Memphis out there. Let's see if they get rolling. And and can SMU really outscore Memphis? I actually think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. So really excited for that one. And then the other game – that kind of caught my eye a little bit. Uh, well, obviously, I think the Texas A&M-Alabama game, I'm going to talk about that one uh, a little bit later. But the other game that really caught my eye is Ole Miss and Kentucky. Because Kentucky played so awful on offense last week, and Ole Miss really you know, went 0 for 5 in the red zone last week, I think Ole Miss can come away with a big win this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I actually think they're pretty good on offense. Uh, and Kentucky's not very good on offense. So I think – if defense for Ole Miss can play a little bit better, I think Ole, Ole Miss can kind of steal that one. Uh, and, you know, looking pretty good for the, the fighting Lane Kiffins over there. Spoiler <laughs> alert, that's uh, my money line pick of the week. Oh, right. I like that one. I like that one. All right, guys. Well, let's get into some of, some of the top news. We had uh, a couple big things I want to cover before we start to get into week five, just kind of more in depth. Um, today, the Pac-12 – uh, proposed an 18 playoff, and that was officially denied, and that makes a ton of sense for the Pac-10 to offer that because they want a team in the playoff, and at, at this standpoint, like, basically 0% chance they get a team in. I did think it was interesting that everybody denied it because if there was a year to try the 18, like, it would have been this year with everything going on. So I did think that was interesting. What you guys take out of that? I mean, well, the problem was that they did, they decided to propose it too late. Like, there's teams right now that are already three, four weeks into the season. Like, you can't make a late type of change like that where now eight guys can get into the playoffs when some teams are already a quarter of the way through their season. I mean, Duke's already played three games. Miami's already played three games, and now we're going to wait for the yeah. Pac-12 to decide to do that. So I, I like the idea. I think it's big for the fact that a Power 5 commissioner is pushing for 18 playoffs because so am I eventually down the road. But it's just, you should have done this, you know, two months yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, and it's not a surprise that Larry Scott is the main proponent of an 18 playoff. I mean, the Pac-12 historically is going to have a tough time getting into the into the playoffs unless, you know, they have more teams step up and, and really become top contenders. You know, you're hoping USC joins Oregon and UW, and you're hoping Arizona State takes the next step up. So you can have four or five teams competing for, you know, potentially playoff each year. But right now it's really Oregon and and, and Washington on, on kind of even in odd years. But, uh, yeah, like Pascal said, it, it wouldn't really make a lot of sense at this point to do it because some teams like are already a quarter away in their season. They've already played three games. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, it would have been something you would have wanted to try at the beginning of the season rather than just start it now. Yeah, so that, I, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, so I agree with you guys on that point. I think it's way too late in the game. When it comes to the four versus eight, this is kind of where I stand on it. And this is just – kind of how I felt about it the last five years. I think four is the perfect number because realistically there's only three teams that basically have a shot to win it. Um, all the other, If you expand it to eight, the other five teams would just get drummed in the first round. Now that's from a an actual championship perspective. If you're talking about TV money and making money, it makes total sense to expand it to eight. But realistically, only three teams are going to be like anywhere near – have a chance to win it all just because I, I think we've seen over the last five years, it's really just the top three teams and that fourth yeah. team ends up getting drummed. And then any team that is quote on left out, it just, they don't, they don't have the, the they just don't have the firepower to compete. So, you know, you're going to do it. I, that's kind of how I see it. I think four is the perfect number, but 
So I would argue eight, with the money. eight is the perfect number. And the reason is because, one, if you had five champions, five power five champions, then that brings relevancy to all the championships again. Like, if you win the championship, you are going to the playoffs. So winning the ACC championship matters now, the Pac-12 championship. All that matters again. And then then you get, you know, your top G5 uh, team, assuming they're in the top, like, 15. There would be a limit. Like, they're number 25. I don't want them. But if they're in the top 15, top G5 team, and then it's your next two at-large uh, teams. And I think just from a, a chaos standpoint, one to see uh, giving teams more hope after they say they start out, I don't know, two and three or two and two, but if they go on a, a massive winning streak, like they still have hope. And team or college football fans love hope. Now we'll say you should never go more than eight because the greatest thing about college football is every week matters. So when you yeah. add it, when you make it eight teams, obviously that dilutes it a little bit, but I think that is the perfect number to where every game still matters. Championships matter more now. Yeah. And you give people hope again. You are right, Gless. Like, yeah, probably only three teams will make it, but those three teams will rise up to the top even in this situation. But more fans will tune in. It'll be more exciting. Well, that's what I mean. It's more about money. It's more about money. It's not about, hey, the number eight team could win it all because we all know that's never going to happen, right? Like like the the the, 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 G, the G5 at large playing Alabama, they're going to lose by 30. <laughs> yeah, you're talking You're talking. it'd be like yeah. a once in every, like, 25 years type of upset. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's I think that is what yeah, you would see. Exactly. But I, I I like the I, I'm with Pastel. I like what he talked about. And I agree with what he talked about a lot. Um, but you know, personally, I kind of like it with a little bit of a twist. I like the playoff with still bowl tie-ins. So I know like most people are going to go, oh, I like to see the one play the eight, the G five play the the one or whatever. But it might not necessarily be that way. I like the idea of like the the Pac twelve still plays the Big Ten. In, in the, the Rose, Rose Bowl. Bowl. Yep, and, FCC. And the Sugar Bowl. Yep, I agree. The Orange Bowl Place stuff, I agree. 12. Yep, exactly. Yep. And I think I think that'd be a cool kind of like you still get to keep the bowl tie-ins and, and they keep that tradition alive. I think that's really neat, and I think it's really unique to college football and really sports in general is you have that tradition with the bowls, the big bowls anyway, and then you, you can still use the 18 playoff, and that's yeah. just how it's going to be seeded. And some years, yeah, it might be a little unfair. You know, Alabama – you know, number one, Alabama might have to play a number two, Texas, or a number two, Oklahoma, in the Sugar Bowl to start off the thing. You know what? Whatever. I, I like it with the tradition. I feel like it's a good mix. And, and real quick before we get off this point, because I don't want to spend too much time on it. But I, I agree say, with you. We're going I, down a rabbit hole. But, but I agree with you. Though. Well, just because of the fact that the top team in the Pac-12 hasn't always played in the Rose Bowl, or the top team in the SEC hasn't always played in the SEC or in the Sugar Bowl. Actually, probably more times than not, they don't play in those games. So it would be a good thing to see the top teams actually playing in the Sugar Bowl and yep. the, the Rose yep. Bowl to Kenny's point. So that's the best of uh, all the combinations yeah. right there. Gotcha. Before we go down this rabbit hole of the 14 versus 18, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on. Getting to some prospect news we got this week, guys. Rashad Bateman is now declared eligible, so he has opted back in, has been approved uh, to go ahead and play for the University of Minnesota. Huge, huge news for all the Golden Gophers, G- Golden Gopher fans. And then Micah Parsons, probably the top linebacker picked in the 2021 NFL draft, is still opting out. Guys, instant reaction to that news. Uh, I mean, it's a big loss for Penn State, obviously. Micah Parsons is a top five pick in the NFL draft this year. And I guess it's not really a surprise that he still opted out, even with the season beginning, because at this point he knows, like, again – the Big Ten is playing a lot less, or he's playing two to three less games than most conferences at this point. So Penn State's season really is going to hinge on one or two games. So at this point, I think he just he's like, hey, you know what? Let me continue to prepare for the draft. There's not a lot to be gained this season, especially and even with things going on with COVID still. So he still might not feel comfortable. So that's a huge loss for Penn State, no matter how you look at it. Uh, and Rashad Bateman is just as huge a gain for Minnesota. You know, the, Men, you know, I know a lot of Michigan fans today are not happy to hear that because they opened the season with Minnesota. And you were probably looking at a, a, a rebuilding offense with losing Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. And now Rashad Bateman, their best playmaker on offense, is back. Tanner Morgan is back. And now you have to deal with that on offense. And it's, it's a big, big, big game for P.J. Fleck and company. Yeah. I mean, at this point, anybody that decides to opt back in, you know, like Shane, uh, Sean Wade, Rashad Bateman, Wyatt Davis, all these other guys that are opting back in. At this point, it's just a cherry on the top. Like, we thought they weren't going to be playing football, so now that they are playing football, awesome. The fact that Michael Parsons isn't, that's what we were expecting anyway. So, 
no change for me. The fact that more players are opting in is just, you know, just awesome to see better talent being playing college football this year. Yeah, and and, and I'll tell you this. My, I know losing Michael uh, Micah Parsons, still opting out, but you know who ends up filling that role? Brandon Smith, five-star uh, linebacker out of Louisa High School, played really well as a freshman last year, and he's going to get a chance to start full-time, and that guy had offers from everywhere. So, yeah, yeah I get it. Parsons is going to be a top pick. I don't know if you're going to lose all that much by plugging in a guy that had a really great freshman season and by all accounts is going to be just as good as Micah Parsons here at the P5 level. So really giving that young kid a chance to play should be a lot of fun to watch. So let's go ahead and get into the opening coin flip, guys. Georgia and University of Florida both started their games last week with big wins over SEC opponents. But the real question, guys, who wins the SEC East, Georgia or Florida? Kenny, let's start with you. I still think Georgia's the team to beat in the East. You know, you look at what they've done in the recruiting circuit the past five or six years since really Kirby Smart has taken over. You look at their roster, 82% of their roster is blue-chip athletes according to 24-7 sports. You know, that means 82% are either four-star or five-star recruits on that roster. It's the second highest in the country, only trailing Alabama, who's a percent higher at 83%. So if you just look at their roster objectively, you look at it and go, they have the most, the second most talent in the country according to ratings. Obviously, you have to develop that talent. That is not a black and white issue. There is some gray area in there. But Georgia's done that. Georgia's been able to develop most of their talent. I think some of the offensive struggles last week were due to two things. And they are concerning, but I, I, I'm not as concerned moving forward. A, I think Stetson Bennett showed he can run the offense. And two, it's a brand new offense with that had no offseason of preparation. You know, Todd Munkin's down there running his offense. He's a brand new coordinator. I think they had to work out a lot of kinks. Dewan Mathis is clearly not the option at quarterback. Uh, it was a great story, unfortunately. He just looked like he did not know how to run that offense. And Stetson Bennett came in there. He moved the he moved the chains. He got the ball moving. I think him and JT um, JT Daniels are very similar in skill sets. I think it's it's one half dozen of the other. Whoever starts there, but I think whoever starts there has enough talent around them to do well. Um, George Perkins is one of the best receivers in the country, and, and that defense is awesome. I mean, say what you want about their offense last week. And, and say what you want about Arkansas, the team, that offense put that defense in such a compromising position for so many possessions in a row, and they just absolutely continued to dominate Arkansas, play in and play out. They gave, I think, one big play that led to a touchdown. But other than that, they smothered Arkansas and Felipe Franks. I, I still think Georgia's the team to beat. I don't think it's – necessarily by a lot I think I think Florida has closed the gap but I still don't think they've done enough to unseat Georgia quite yet okay so let's just be honest with ourselves right now as good as Florida was on offense was that how good Georgia was on defense and how bad Florida was on defense was how how bad you know Georgia was on offense for most of that game I mean Georgia was losing at halftime versus Arkansas Kenny, you even admit it. Arkansas shouldn't even be an SEC football team, and yet they were losing to them last year at halftime, or this, uh, this past week at halftime. So I do agree they had the talent on the team. My biggest worry with them is right now is they have Bennett as a quarterback. They just had Mathis, who took pretty much all the first-team reps the last few weeks. Now they got JT Daniels getting medically cleared this week. Well, that's a good thing, right? But now you're going against Auburn, a top-eight team in the nation, and then you go to Tennessee, and then you go to Alabama. And then Kentucky, right? So, like, their schedule over the next three to four weeks, trying to implement a new QB, QB, and then possibly another new QB, depending on when you actually start JT Dance. It's a lot of turmoil. So, like, they're probably going to drop a game in the next three games. And then both of these teams have a, a bye week before they face off with each other November 7th, which obviously will be the telltale sign of who really takes the East. I'm going to say Florida because of the continuity on offense. And I think with Trash and Kyle Pitts, they're playing as if – they're the best one-two combination in all of college football right now as far as, like, a tandem, as far as quarterback, wide receiver, tight end. Like, that might be the number one tandem. That defense has talent. 
Elam might be one of the best cornerbacks in the in the country. They just didn't put it together last week as well as you would have thought they would have. So I am more worried about Georgia's offensive line, continuity at quarterback, than I am, I guess, Florida's defense where I think they have the talent. They just have to put it together. Where, where Again, they play South Carolina next week, Texas A&M, who we think is down, LSU, who we all know is down, and then Missouri. Like, their schedule is just so much easier, man. Like, that's why I think Florida's going to take it, just purely from the schedule standpoint. By the time they actually play against each other, Florida's not going to be beat up as much. They're going to have all the continuity, and that's why I think Florida takes it. See, I, I, I agree with you where I'm concerned about Georgia, but I think that's correctable. Like, in the second half, they were a completely different offense. They finally got in their rhythm. They finally got in their paces. And, I mean, shoot, they ended up covering their spread. That's how much they dominated Arkansas in the second half alone last week. Correct. They looked like the team that they, that they should have been the entire game. So I, I think a lot of that's correctable. I think the more they play, the better they're going to be. Whereas Florida, Florida doesn't have a new defensive coordinator. They don't, they have continuity on defense and they still can't play defense. It's week like, one, man. Week like, one. And, and, and I could say, and that's and, the same thing about Georgia. I think Georgia's upside on offense is higher yeah, than Florida's defense. Ole Miss's offense is actually a pretty good offense. Arkansas's offense and defense sucks. I just, I, just, I just don't I just don't see it. I mean Florida hasn't come even hasn't even sniffed competing with Georgia in the East, and I still don't think yeah. they will. Florida hasn't had yeah. a quarterback since Kyle Trash. Go ahead, Glass. Yeah, no. So I one I, I think this is probably the best opening coin flip we have because it's really hard for me to see to see who wins this. I I, <laughs> I think what's good is for the first time in a long time the SEC East is extremely competitive. Agreed. Right? Because I get it, right? Like I think Georgia's got they've got some serious issues they have to deal with on offense. And to be honest with you, I don't think Florida's been really good on defense for a long time. And, I, you know, they gave up a lot. They were bend but don't break last week. I do agree with Pastel in the in the sense that I think Ole Miss is going to sneak up on a lot of people and think they're going to be able to score a lot of points. I actually really like Ole Miss on offense. Um, you know, I was watching that game. I was like, man, these guys, they're, they're going to be able to score with people. I don't think they'll be able to stop anybody. Um, I gotta go with Kenny on this one. I do think Georgia narrows them out by a hair. I think they get it together on on offense just enough. I think it's I think it's gonna be ugly all season though. I don't I don't think JT Daniels is the answer there. I think he's gonna be rusty. I think it's gonna be a little bit rocky here, but I think Georgia beats Florida in in uh in Jacksonville and that I, I think they do win it this year, but I tell you what, I think it could be a toss-up. But I think Georgia right now I would still put on as winning the SEC East if you had to put a gun to my head today. So, Kenny, you actually won one. Yeah. One, one. Good man. Good man, Gless. Good well, man. One quick thing, because the Sakara family is listening to this podcast. I am sorry for not picking Georgia. <laughs> They're all Georgia fans. Think about that. <laughs> my, girlfriend, my girlfriend and all of her sisters went to Georgia, so I am sorry. This is a make debate sure show, you, though. Make sure you use this in future arguments as leverage. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, guys. Well, let's get into week five from uh, and, and kind of break down some prospects that we are extremely excited to see. And, and I'll start, off off, there's, start us off. There's three guys that I'm really anxious to watch. First one, in my opinion, I think is probably the nation's best all-around running back, and that's Najee Harris against Texas A&M. Guys, this year is supposed to be Texas A&M's year to really make a staple in the SEC West and have a chance to go win it. Didn't see that last week from them. Barely escaped a, a Vanderbilt team that, by all accounts, is, it could be considered the worst P5 team in the country, uh, and barely beat them, I believe, the final was 17-12. Pretty ugly. I like to see Najee Harris completely dominate Texas A&M this week. I think he can do it all. He can run in between the tackles. He's got great speed. He's big. He's physical, and he's and he can really catch the ball out of the backfield. So really excited to see what he can do against a very talented Texas A&M defense. Another guy I'm really excited about is KJ Britt, linebacker from Auburn against Georgia. Got obviously we talked about earlier that big Auburn Georgia matchup, probably the game of the weekend. He had a great game against Kentucky last week. Eleven total tackles. He was pretty productive in 2019. He's already over, uh, I, I think he's about 15% of the tackles that he had last year. Really looking to build on a strong uh, 2020 start. Uh, six foot, 245 pound senior. He's 
got experience. He's played in big games. I think with a big game against Georgia, he can start to get up on some draft boards. I really like what I saw out of him last week. So those are two prospects that I'm really looking forward to. Pastel, who's who's really catching your eye this week as we get into week five? So they're catching my eye probably for the wrong reason, right? So these four, these four or five guys I'm about to mention, I want them to prove me – prove that I'm wrong because I, I don't believe in them right now when I think a lot of other people do think they're NFL prospects or upper tier prospects the first guy is Kellen Mond like, we've talked about in previous segments but like for some reason people still think he's a, a third fourth fifth round QB I don't even know if he's draftable at this point I don't even think he's that good like he's been all hype for four years now he plays Alabama Kellen Mond if you want to shut me up do well versus Alabama be efficient throw TDs like throw, throw like three TDs, no picks, you know, throw over 200 yards. Like just be more efficient, be a little bit more dynamic with what you're supposed to be when you first got here. The next guy, same thing, Bo Nix. I'm not sold on this guy. I haven't been sold on him for the last year and a half. Go out there and prove me that I'm wrong. Beat, beat Georgia for the first time since 2005 in Athens. Like that, that's the kind of games you need to have just you, for you to start proving people that you're a different QB at Auburn. The next guy is Charles Snowden. Yes, he, he's actually off to a decent start in his first game. He had a tackle for a loss, two pass deflections. I mean, obviously when you're six foot seven, 240 pounds, you've got the wingspan to, to do that. Mm-hmm. So, like, but you're going out there and you're playing the number one team, Clemson. So, again, the scouts are going to look at a very few uh, game tapes of you next year. And guess what? This is going to be one of those games when you're playing the best team in the nation. you got to go out there and have a good game. The next guy, Chris Rump the second. He's been garbage these first three games, complete garbage. And people were talking about him being a first-round pick. Prior to this uh, season, no way. There's no way. I get he's six four. I guess he had all these preseason accolades and everything. And three games so far, he has one sack, one tackle for a loss, two QB hurries, and a total of 17 tackles. Like over three games, and only one of those games were versus anybody decent, and that was versus Notre Dame. Well, guess what? You're playing Virginia Tech this week, another team that has a decent offensive line. Again, so they're gonna the scouts are gonna watch Notre Dame. They're gonna watch. Virginia Tech is the line they have. And maybe another game or two. Chris Rump, if you want to be, you know, a day two prospect, you've got to perform in games like this. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Now, ordering is easy. All you have to do is open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Now, you can choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Also, many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the promo code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget the promo code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. The very last guy I want to see, T.J. Carter. Talk about him being one of pro football focuses, top cornerbacks last year, the cornerback from Memphis. Well, guess what? You're playing SMU this week, a high-octane offense, one of the best offenses that you'll face outside of, I believe they play UCF the following week. So back-to-back weeks, he's going to have a tough test. But outside of that, he's going to play run-heavy offenses for the rest of the, the season. So these next two weeks are going to be huge for T.J. Carter and how he can do in coverage. And so that's what I want to see him do is go be as productive as he's been his first three years in college football. Yeah, that's a good list, Brandon. I, I hope uh, I hope some of these guys listen to the pod when you like throw down the gauntlet or challenge them. Like, if you want me to talk about you some more, this is, or or if you or it's like I'm done talking about you if you don't show up this week. Like, I kind of hope Chris Rump like tears up Virginia Tech and then like gets on the mic and like, hey, what do you do? He's like, he's like, I listen to this punk Virginia Tech fan. Brandon Pastel, bust my chops this week. Now look at your quarterback. He's got a Prospects 101 and, shirt underneath his, uh, his jersey. Like, I, would, I would be like, yes. Be I mean, we already know that Nick Saban listens to this pod because Pastel trashed Bama for so many weeks on a recruiting roundup, and all he did was prove, hey, you know what, hold my beer, and now I'm like the second-rate recruiting class. So, you know, we already know that happens. This <laughs> is the number one ever. <laughs> I know. There you go, Pastel. Oh, goodness. Oh, man. Well, guys, I, I got a couple uh, prospects I'm excited to watch this week. The first, number one is Matt Corral. Um, 
Gluss, you, you touched on it earlier. I'm really excited about this Ole Miss offense. And to be honest, I was really high on John Reese Plumley. I thought he was going to be the prohibitive favorite to start. And then they started Corral when I tuned in last week. And I was like, man, what is this? He was just not impressive to me. He had a, 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 a below 60% completion percentage last year. He didn't look like he was the guy. He split time with John Reese Plumley, And Plumley, to be honest, looked better. But all Corral did was just go out and ball out last week. Three touchdown passes. Averaged 12.7 yards in attempt, uh, 395 yards, 71% completion percentage. I mean, he made some incredible throws. Now I get it. Florida's defense isn't necessarily, you know, murder's row. But I, I think there's something to be said about what, what Lane Kiffin's doing on offense down there. And I really think he's going to have them playing. I think Matt Corral is going to be a big, a big portion of that. And the second guy I'm excited to see is Richard LeCount, uh, the safety out of Georgia. He had two picks last week. He he was really anchored that defense that looked absolutely tremendous. And again, I know Arkansas is not necessarily you know the most high octane offense, but they were in some very very high leverage situations last week. The offense for Georgia kept turning the ball over. They kept having it. They had a bunch of three and outs in a row. They did not have the field. They were not winning the field position battle. And and LeCount just consistently made play after play after play in the secondary and really was the engine to that really good Georgia defense. So I'm excited to see him uh, take on Auburn and Bo Nix this weekend. The next guy I'm excited to see is Kylan Hill. Man, he showed a bunch of wiggle. He looked great out of the backfield. He had, I think, 158 yards receiving last week. He had 60 yards rushing. He was just super explosive, almost 200 uh, yards of total offense, and and, and was a big reason – why K.J. Costello looked so comfortable in that offense. One of the plays was a little dump-off pass that he took 75 yards right through the heart of the LSU defense to the house. I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal. So I'm excited to see if he can continue to replicate that explosiveness week after week, and this week they have Arkansas. Uh, the next prospect I'm excited to see is Khalil Herbert, running back out of Virginia Tech. Pastor, I know you're excited about this guy. You've been talking about him a lot. He averaged 10 yards a carry last week for his first game at Virginia Tech. He's 5'9", 205 pounds. He's a little undersized, but he's kind of a thicker dude, and he's got a lot of explosiveness to it. He backed up Puka Williams at Kansas, was kind of second fiddle. But, again, if you look at his career yards per per carry and you look at a lot of his plays, he's been super, super explosive. So I'm, I, behind that Virginia Tech offensive line, and sorry, I actually said he, all, he, he averaged 10 yards a carry last week. He averaged 17 yards a carry last week. He had six carries for 104 yards and a touchdown. I mean, I, I think this guy's just going to get more and more involved in the offense and probably become the bell cow for this, for this offense and really take a lot of pressure off whoever ends up starting at quarterback. And then the final guy I'm excited to see this week is Gunnar Romney. And, Gless, remember you and I were sitting in your apartment on Saturday watching this guy play. He looks absolutely phenomenal this year for BYU. He's one of the main reasons why BYU's offense has been so explosive. He's averaging 30 yards a catch this season. And and has just really got that offense humming. They've, and, and this is – I've seen him do it in a variety of ways. I've seen him run – nine routes down the sideline and burn guys on, on nine routes straight into the end zone. And I've also seen him take bubble screens and, and just break a couple tackles, get in open space and be gone. He's super explosive. He's probably the best offensive weapon BYU has. And BYU looks for real this season. So I'm excited to see what he can do uh, against Louisiana Tech this week because that game is going to be an absolute shootout, guys. I think it's going to be a phenomenal game to watch and definitely tune in, which – segues perfectly into our bet online segment. Uh, it's the segment where we take the betting locks of the week, what we think are locks. We give them to you, and we, we keep track of, of where we are in standings. And, guys, it was not a great week for me last week. I went one and four. I'm five <laughs> and nine on the – I'm five and nine on the week. Just an absolute just horrible, horrible week. So I'm looking to get on track. And the first game that I saw that really stood out to me was the Louisiana Tech at BYU game, the over-under of 59 points. I think they're going to breeze past the over. I'm taking the over in that game. I think it's a virtual lock. Both offenses are super high octane. You've got Luke Anthony running point for Louisiana Tech. 
he's been an absolute madman starting that quarterback since since the second half of the first game of the season. And like I just mentioned, BYU's been super explosive. I think they've dropped 50 and 40 points in back-to-back games. I, I would expect no less in this game. BYU might actually touch the over on their own. I think it's going to be one of those kind of games, to be honest. The second game I'm really excited about is Baylor at West Virginia. Baylor is laying three points. I'm taking Baylor in the points. I think this game is probably my biggest lock of the week. I think they're going to steamroll West Virginia. My third game is Virginia Tech at Duke. Virginia Tech is laying 10.5 points. I think they cover that pretty easily. Uh, Virginia put a pretty good beating on Duke last week, and honestly, Virginia Tech is probably better on offense. So I don't think Virginia Tech is really going to have an issue covering the 10.5 points. Plus, they're going to have – a bunch of players this week that they didn't have last week against NC State due to a COVID outbreak. The fourth game that's got me really excited is Western Kentucky at Middle Tennessee State. Western Kentucky is laying seven points, and the juice is heavy with Western Kentucky at minus 120. I'm taking Western Kentucky in the points. I don't even think this game is going to be close. Middle Tennessee State looks like one of the worst teams in the entire FBS, and Western Kentucky is an upper echelon G5 team. They're not the best G5 team, but they're one of the better G5 teams. I think they cover easily. And the last game I'm really excited about this week is UTSA at UAB. I've been a big fan of UAB all year betting-wise, and they finally, finally covered for me last week. Uh, I think with this, with them moving to start Bryson Lacero, they look like a completely different offense. They throttled their opponent last week. They're laying 20 and a half points against UTSA. The juice is with UAB at minus 115. I'm taking UAB in the points, and most people might look at this game and go, how are you going to take that? UTSA's 3-0. What are you thinking? UTSA might be one of the most deceptively 3-0 teams to start the season. They've had some of the worst post-win expectancy rates um, in the country. It's a very deceptive 3-0, and, and clearly Vegas doesn't believe in them either. I think US, UAB wins big, and they cover the 20-and-a-half. Yeah, yeah you say it reminds me a lot of the Chicago Bears right now. Just, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes you just get lucky, right? And sometimes <laughs> it just goes your way, and, you know, unfortunately, that's just sports. All right, guys, so – um, I, I'll go next. So I know on Sunday I actually said I went one and two. I actually went two and two when I checked the outline from last week when I was I was going over which lines I wanted because I actually did bet the Miami minus eleven against Florida State, which obviously hit. So I actually nice. went two and two, which puts me at five hundred. I'm five and five on the season. Uh, again, won the UVA Duke and the Miami Florida State plays, lost the Army Cincinnati, and then lost the over in the Kentucky Auburn game last week. But got four plays again. Uh, Iowa State versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma's laying the uh, uh, laying minus seven. I think Oklahoma comes out and scores a a zillion points and a la- gets so far ahead of Iowa State that it's not even. Uh, not even fathomable that they'll let Iowa State come back. <laughs> I've been very unimpressed by Brock Purdy so far this season. Uh, I, Oklahoma laying the seven, so I'm taking Oklahoma and the points in that. SMU Memphis also going to be an outstanding game. It's going to be, you know, like I said earlier, going to be one of the games that I'll be watching closely. Memphis laying the two and two and a half. Uh, I think Memphis is the better team. I think it will show up towards the end. I think it will be close, but Memphis pulls away with a couple late scores. Uh, so Memphis laying the two and a, the minus two and a half. I'll take Memphis and the points in that one. And then I'm doing a parlay here. Alabama versus Texas A&M. Uh, Alabama's minus 17 and a half favorites. A uh, couple things. Four out of the lots. Five, five, uh, Games Alabama against Texas A&M. Not only has Alabama won for the uh, the last five, but four out of the last five, they have won by 18 or more. So I'm going to take Alabama to cover that minus 17 and a half, and I'm also going to take the over in that game. Alabama A&M also hits the over at 52, so I'm going to take the over there. So I'm going to parlay again a or uh, Alabama to cover the 17 and a half spread and the over 
52 points in that matchup. So that's what I got. I got four plays this week. You know what, Klus? When you talked about the Miami game, you know what all that told me was you were thinking with your brain, right, when you made the picks on the podcast. But when you actually had to lay down the money, you got scared. You that's got right. scared. You chickened that's out. A, that's exactly what happened. My, that's exactly, my, I, I'm, not, I'm not even going to call myself out on that, of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hold on, I, I do agree with you, Pastel, but also Pastel called me before the game and was like, man, I took Miami, but, dude, I really think Florida State's going to cover. No, 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 no. You're like, you're like their no, no, defensive no. line I, is so to, good. To be fair, to I wouldn't have done that. I said that defensive line is going to cause problems for Miami's offense. I think people are giving Miami way too much credit, yet I still took Miami and the over, parlayed it, and made a lot of money. But that being said, Listen to me because I'm 7-4 and 1 overall. I'm going to give you five picks that's going to make you a lot of money this week. The first one being Missouri plus 11.5 against Tennessee at Tennessee. I'm taking Missouri. I think Missouri, one, I don't think Tennessee is that good yet, and I think Missouri is not as bad as other teams think they are or people think they are. Take Missouri, 11.5. Next game, NC State plus 11 at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh might be the most overrated team right now in the ACC. I do believe in that uh, – sorry, in that defense. That defense is legit with that defensive line. They do get after the quarterback, but I think NC State covers the plus 14. I'm taking NC State. Now, Ole Miss, they're plus six at Kentucky. Again, I'm taking Ole Miss plus the points with the points, but if you had to make a money line pick of the week and you think that Ole Miss is going to take it straight out, that's what I'm taking right now. I'm going to have Ole Miss mm. money line. Love it. Love uh, it. But for, for my record next week, when I <laughs> say Kentucky does one by two, I still win this bet. All right. Uh, OU at Iowa State. First of all, whoever loses this game, their season is done for the rest of the year, correct? That's why I'm going to take the over. I think it's going to be a complete shootout. 62.5, this game might go to 80 points. I'm taking the over on OU for, at Iowa State. The last game, trust me, Kenny, I know you, you can't die young. You don't want to die on your sword. It's too uh, – you don't – never bet the under is what Kenny says all the time, right? I am betting the under, Navy versus Air Force. I think this oh. might be one of the sloppiest games we've seen all year. I think that game doesn't even reach 40 points next week. So I'm going to yeah. take the under on the Navy versus Air Force, under 46 points. I actually love that play, Pastel. I'm a huge fan of that last play. I don't have a problem with people betting the under. You're probably right. The game is probably going to go under. I wouldn't. I, w- I don't even think that makes – I think it makes perfect financial sense. I just don't take the under because I don't bet on bad football. Like, I don't want to root for bad football. Like, I don't want to watch the game and be like, man – I hope these guys only, only score this much this game. Like, no, dude, I want to see scoring. Like, I, I like seeing scoring. I like seeing good football. I don't want to see a bunch of turnover, sloppy football. Like, I don't want to root for that. Root for good defense. Yeah, but there, that's not why you take the under you, most of the time. You well, in this, game, in this game, you, know, you are correct. In this game, it is complete going to be sloppy. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. So listen closely, Brandon Pastel. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Speaking of watching, I am super excited to see Cam Newton continue just to tear up the league in that New England Patriots offense. I have a question for the rest of the NFL, especially for about 10 teams who really, really could use a quarterback to take them to the next level. What were you thinking? Cam Newton is unbelievable, and I'm excited to see him win Coach Bill Belichick his seventh championship ring and win his first championship ring for himself. I'm, I'm super excited. Pepsi, it's the refreshment you need through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. The wait is finally over. Football is back. My soul cries out hallelujah. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. 
Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think it's going to be super sloppy, but I do like the play pass, though. I think it's a that, – that actually may be my favorite one – out of this week is what you got there is that under the Navy at Air Force. All right, guys, getting some recruiting news. You wouldn't be Prospects 101 if we didn't cover some recruiting uh, some recruiting news across the country. First, let's talk about some big signings. Dion Colsey, six foot four wide receiver out of Athens, Georgia, home of the Georgia Bulldog, commits to Notre Dame Pastel. What'd you think? A uh, big time player uh, for Notre Dame, right? Uh, he's he's 84th overall ranked recruit in the country. The dude can just go out flat out and jump. I think he was in states, was a state medalist as far as like his high jumps. The guy can just get up and get to the, get the high point of the football. Uh, he had offers from Alabama, Auburn, Florida, pretty much anything, anybody you think uh, could offer him, offered him, right? The next big guy was Jalea Farouk, uh, the four-star wide receiver, uh, top 140 player overall. He signs with OU. You got to love, obviously, what OU is doing in this recruiting class. I guess maybe you don't have to like it because, honestly, they're just attacking the offense again with studs when they probably need to start attacking that defense a little bit more. But Jaleel Farouk is going to be the real deal, probably the next great receiver at OU, big-time signing for OU. Uh, as far as decommitments, so uh, Chairman Mater, a six foot five, two 220 athlete, he decommits from Miami and signs with the University of Cincinnati. Now, I don't know all the details with this one so far, but I do know – a lot of teams wanted him to play defensive end. That's why he's an athlete, right? They wanted to play defensive end, but Mater wanted to play tight end. So I think Cincinnati's going to give him the ability to play tight end there. And that's, I'm not saying that's why he signed there, but he did commit for Miami and he's going to now play with Cincinnati. The next guy, another four-star cornerback, he decommitted from Notre Dame. And then he signs with uh, the University of Southern California. He's a six-foot, 109, complete baller and ball hawk at the cornerback position. So big-time uh, pickup for USC. and as far as the top ten, uh, there's really not any big changes this this week. Alabama's uh, staying strong at number one overall in the recruiting class for the 2021 recruiting class. Ohio State's number two. Mm. Oregon, they're slowly making a little bit of momentum, though. They're now number three. They're not going to catch number one and number two Ohio State, but they are really solidifying that recruiting classes to be one of their better recruiting classes in the last few years. Uh, LSU's number four. Clemson's number five. Tennessee's number six. Florida's number seven. Eight is USC, obviously, with some of those uh, commitments this past week. Miami drops down from the decommitment, obviously, this past week to number nine. And then Michigan rounds off the top ten at number ten. So, overall, not a whole lot of change. Uh, I was still kind of waiting for Georgia to jump back in there, but they really haven't made that leap yet. They're still sitting at 14. So, interesting overall from the recruiting landscape uh, there in high school football. Mm. Alabama number one, huh, Pastel? (laughs) Yeah, and the the worst part about it is I see like more and more crystal balls point to more and more. I mean, they, they are they are on track to maybe have the greatest recruiting class ever. <laughs> I just just want to point that out. What do you want me to say, man? That I'm wrong. I, don't know. I just that I'm wrong. I, lo- <laughs> I just love bringing it up every time I get. It's just so great. It's fantastic. It's irrelevant. I, mean, <laughs> it's I, I will say this: I do think Georgia is going to skyrocket up the board just because their average that. their average recruiting rating is so much higher than everybody else's. They just have less recruits. As they soon have a as lot they, less recruits. I think yeah, they have a lot. Soon, I think it's a good amount. As soon as they sign a couple, once they sign a couple four stars and, and probably a couple five stars, right, right, just one or two, they're going to jump probably up into six, seven, and then they'll be probably top three before you know it. It's only going to well, take two or three signings for them. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too, is now, you know, as we're knocking the door on October, um, you know, we start to get to November, late November. I, I mean, that's the season of decommitting, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, oh. those are going to be last-hit switches and, and, and all that. So yeah. I could see us having a big November where some of those schools end up getting some four or five stars because of some decommits elsewhere. Well, and Corey, what, Foreman, the, Corey Foreman, the number one player in, in all the 2021 recruiting classes, there's now the newest crystal ball is going to Georgia for him. So that, that could be the guy that propels Georgia into the top seven. 
I know. Did you guys? Did you guys see this? And this broke as literally as we're recording this. The USC commitment. The USC commit quarterback Jake Garcia, the one yeah. who was yeah he, he was ruled ineligible. His parents legally separated, so he could yeah. play football in Georgia. And then I guess like idiots, they bragged about that it wasn't a real like a like a true separation that they were going to basically remarry. Dude, they had an ESPN was. documentary on it. Like, and then so for, like Georgia, Georgia high school athletics was like, uh, no, Definitely you're ineligible. What are you talking about? Yeah. On my Facebook Ma- profile, it says it's complicated. Yeah, it's marriage, <laughs> totally legit. marriage, marriage <laughs> fraud. What an, what a, that, his, their parents are donks of the week for allowing, um, and that's Kenny's donk of the week. Yeah, Garcia's right. parents. Like my donkeys of the week. We doing a <laughs> one of six, seven, the fan sports donkeys yeah. bit. They, they might be, they might be it though. Why would you tell anybody about that? Why would you admit that? You just cost your son his senior season. Yeah. Well, I, I also heard that I think he, did he pull his hamstring? I think he did been out the last two games anyways. So I don't know how much this injury. season he was. Yeah, that's right. The old, <laughs> The old I'm trying to enroll in USC for spring, you know, for spring practice. In hey, the radio. old, the old. Hey, who's the kicker for the Bengals? Passed out. Is it Randy Bullock? Yeah, Bullock. The old Randy Bullock injury after he missed that kick to lose the game. He's like, oh my calves. Both calves. I, I and, then he, them. and then he plays three days or four days later in Thursday night football and does fine. Like, get out of here. Oh, I missed it, Coach. I'm hurt, Coach. <laughs> That's the most Bengals thing I've ever seen. Misses a game-winning thirty-yard field goal, and he's and all, and immediately as he misses it, he he starts grabbing his calf. It's like he pulled his right, and then he forgot it was his right, so he started pulling his left, and he's like, I don't remember which one was hurt. <laughs> he started pulling both. <laughs> Unbelievable, uh, unbelievable. All right, guys, we got to get out of here. As always, you can follow and interact with Prospects One Hundred and One on social media: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, keep you know, make sure you go on, give us a follow posting all of our episodes and content throughout the week. Please make sure you download and subscribe to Prospects 101 on your favorite podcast platform. Apple uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify are two favorites, but we are also on anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, Amazon Podcast actually came out this week. We're also on there as well. Uh, great way to stay up to date with all of our new episodes. Again, we are doing two episodes a week now. Uh, we're doing our stat or a week, uh, our, our college football recap show the day after. So that'll be every Sunday. And then, of course, we preview the next week in college football from a prospect perspective, uh, you know, uh, several days later, as you know, because you're listening to that episode that we're doing right now. Uh, please make sure you give us a five star review. Appreciate you spreading the word for Kenny, for Pastel. And myself, enjoy week five of college football.